0: Welcome to What's Up with Betsy Johnson, a podcast from a longtime Oregon legislator and keen political observer discussing what is right and wrong with government, politics, and public policy. Well, Betsy, we're in kind of an unusual situation uh, as we do the podcast this week. So we're right at the end of the legislative session, but it's not quite done. So there's all kinds of things going on behind the scenes. And the one thing we really want to talk about isn't done yet. And by the time folks hear this, it probably will be. So we'd rather wait for it to be out there. Um, And what I'm talking about is the fixes to ballot measure 110. So we really don't know how that's gonna go, where it's gonna go, what it's gonna look like, any of that. But what we can talk about is the process and how we got there and some of what's happened already uh, that you yourself observed. So let's talk a little bit about uh, one of the major opponents of your idea to fix this, who has now become a proponent, I guess.
1: That's a great place to start. Well, let's begin by saying this is the short session of the Oregon legislature. The Oregon legislature meets in long session starting in January of the odd-numbered years. And then we do this little abomination that is the short session that occurs ostensibly for the month of February um, in the even-numbered years. And so they convene on February the 5th, and they will go home on March the 10th. So we're now down to the... the, um, really short time frame the problem with the short session is that there are way too many people trying to take bites of the apple and so you have for example the proponents of a lot of the bills that died in the long session meaning they were shitty ideas in the long session and they now want to come back and resurrect them so there's that whole pool of bills then there are some new concepts then there is the legislature trying to fix some boo-boos from the last session For example, they were supposed to have funded an arts and culture package that is um, traditionally always funded. It's put out by the Cultural Advocacy Commission. They ask panels of Oregonians to get together, vet the proposals, and after they've all taken a look at the proposals, they make a recommendation to the legislature about which of these capital construction projects ought to be funded. So they had the list. And in the last long session, a member of the committee picked off two projects out of a list of 16 in his district and funded those and left all the rest behind. And there are some excellent projects with good geographic distribution that got left on the cutting room floor. So those are the kind of things that they're fixing from the last session. So there's the resurrection of bad ideas that are getting another life there are fixing the technical and sometimes policy boo-boos of the last session and then there's the introduction of some new big concepts generally i had been an opponent meaning i didn't want this to happen to take up big concepts in the short session there just isn't a lot of time in the short number of days to go from one house to the other, one chamber to the other, have adequate time for public testimony, amend bills. There just physically isn't enough time, much less the the um, difficulty, the stress that it puts on the staff to keep up with the paperwork and drafting amendments and doing all that sort of stuff. But Oregon is in a crisis. It has been articulated by our governor and the mayor of Portland, our largest city and the chair of the Multnomah County Commission, the largest county in Oregon, that we have a fentanyl emergency. And so uh, a bill was put forward to fix and amend ballot measure 110. Ballot measure 110 was a measure approved stupidly by the voters, I campaigned against it, I voted against it, I spoke against it, but the measure would uh, and did legalize personal amounts of, all of the hard drugs, heroin, fentanyl, methamphetamine, um, opioids of all different sorts. And so it turned Oregon into an outdoor drug market where people would get a citation for smoking fentanyl on the street. I went into downtown Portland the other day to help raise money for the guy that I hope is gonna get elected the new district attorney and turn Mike Schmidt out. My guy is Nathan Vasquez and he's a great guy. So I went downtown. I parked downtown to help him raise money. I stayed a few minutes over the allotted time, and I got a ticket for $65. If I'd come downtown and smoked fentanyl, I would have gotten a ticket for $45. So I would have been net $20 ahead to come downtown and smoke fentanyl. Anyway, the big bill of this short session is this Fix and Improve Ballot Measure 110, and so the bill is now in the, in the House. It's uh, before a joint committee, that's a House and Senate committee. And so uh, public hearings have occurred. There was a lengthy public hearing last night before this uh, joint uh, committee, meaning it's House and Senate, uh, Republican and Democrat. And so the public testimony went on for a long time. And probably the most amazing thing that happened is that the current Multnomah County D.A. had been absolutely silent. Uh, He had dodged every question about where he was on ballot measure 110. He openly and on the record supported it when people were voting for it, thought it was a great idea. Don't want to criminalize drugs. Don't want to put people in jail. You know, the whole mantra was, should somebody go to the joint for a joint Well, oregonians are compassionate people and they wanted to get people into treatment ballot measure 110 never worked and what it did was to create this really open-air drug market of sales and use in downtown portland and that then of course contributed it was like an accelerant on all of the other problems that go along with heavy drug abuse and particularly some of the drugs that are prevalent now that um, alter brain chemistry to the point that people become both drug addicted as well as mentally impaired. And so Mr. Schmidt had been very sneaky and very quiet, very obtuse, uh, dodged the questions, wouldn't be um, pinned down on where he was. Then in the early part of February, he took a $30,000 campaign contribution from a thing called the Drug Policy Alliance that is trying to defeat the fixes to ballot measure 110 and are funded by national interests that wanna see Oregon be a beachhead in legalized drugs. So Mr. Schmidt takes their money, $30,000, hopes nobody notices, continues to not say where he is on the issue. And then last night, as he finally figured out that the polls are against him, the public is against him, sashays into the hearing, and stabs his benefactor in the back. So now he has testified that he's in support of the changes to ballot measure 110. I just think that is so hypocritical, so lacking in integrity. And one has to one ask oneself, do you want the highest law enforcement officer in Portland to be a person so devoid of character that he sneaks around on what his position is? He sneaks around on accepting money and then he runs in and stabs the guys that gave him the money in the back. It was absolute high drama in the committee last night.
0: So if you'd have been on the other side with the with the legislators, how would you have reacted, do you think, if you were still in the, in the Senate and sitting on this committee?
1: Well, other than my jaw hitting the table, um, the committee was just taking testimony. They were not responding. They were not engaged in any verbal back and forth with the witnesses. Um, There were an awful lot of witnesses and some people from individual groups signed up multiple times. And the the testimony was repetitive and in some cases uh, I believed insulting. Um, So I wouldn't have been able to say anything. But the slamming noise that people would have heard was my jaw hitting the table uh, I just, I, I couldn't believe that he had done that. And I just, I think he ought to give the money back. Uh, I, I, you know, in the, in the years that I was in the legislature, different interest groups would uh, contribute to my campaign. I never felt beholden to vote one way or another, but when Mr. Schmidt had been as outspoken as he was in support of ballot measure. Uh, 110, just give it more time. This is a perfect solution. We don't want to send people to jail. And nobody's going to go to jail under the, the fix and reform bill unless, I mean, they, they'll have multiple chances to avoid jail by going into treatment and successfully completing treatment. But I, this was just such a pivot and so hypocritical. Um, I, I'm calling on him to give the money back. There's got to be some integrity in campaign finance. I just don't think you can pay $30,000 and and functionally give your benefactor the finger.
0: Well, since you sat on that side of the table before, can you give us an idea what it's like when you're sitting there? I mean, I know what it's like for me as a reporter having to sit and listen to all this testimony and kind of weigh it and go, yeah, heard that, heard that, heard that. Always on the search for sound bites. And um, But as you're sitting there taking this testimony in, how much does it impact your decision in the end?
1: A lot, both pro and con. When I was on Ways and Means way back when, and Oregon didn't have any money, we went to – it was called Ways and Means on the Road, where we took the whole committee out and we went all over Oregon. We maybe made seven, eight stops. Uh, It was brutal for the committee to, to have to travel that far in a short period of time. It was brutal for the committee staff. Um, But we were cutting budgets so dramatically that um, Ways and Means leadership felt that it was really important to go out and hear Oregonians where they lived and worked, and I agreed with that. When we were cutting, particularly social service programs, the testimony was absolutely brutal. Um, people coming up to the witness table and and crying and talking about how they'd had to stop taking their blood pressure medicine. Um, one night, I vividly remember that we I, I sat on Ways and Means with a medical doctor, Doc Bates, who's now sadly dead. But we had heard testimony from a woman who needed drugs and. Doc Bates was out in the hallway helping to facilitate her getting her drugs and getting those paid for. Um, I was sitting next to him on the benches outside the hearing room, helping get a woman money so that she could get her glasses repaired because she couldn't drive as a result of not having glasses and therefore couldn't go to work. And I mean, it was was heart-wrenching testimony. Last night's testimony, I think, is somewhat reflective of The Times, and that is, in many cases, it was it was brutally insulting. Um, The um, the accusations of racism that anybody that voted in favor of fixing ballot measure 110 was just de facto a racist. And that simply is not the case. And I thought that that went over the edge pretty far. Um, It was, in some cases, so repetitive that it was sort of blah, 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 blah. After a while, everybody had the same talking notes. They just crafted the presentation slightly differently. Um, It was interesting to see the mix of people who are actually dealing with the problem on the ground, like law enforcement and, uh, and some of the treatment providers, it was also interesting to see the people who have gotten tons of money, tons of money, without having to demonstrate efficacy uh, and seeing maybe their, their you know, golden goose slide through their hands. Um it was interesting seeing uh, them kind of squirming because I believe for some people, the monetary, the pecuniary um, involvement is what matters more than anything else. Now, the bill, according to the press today, has picked up a fiscal. most most bills have some ramifications to the budget. And so I what's called a fiscal impact statement is prepared and it reviews how much a bill would cost to implement or and operate. Uh, and so as of r- late this afternoon, and we're recording this on um, Tuesday, the 27th, um, the bill had picked up a $200 million fix fiscal. Now, uh, a lot of people that are supporting the passage of the bill know that it was going to be expensive because we are adding – um, treatment beds and sobering centers, and um, all sorts of amenities to try to help people successfully break the vice grip of drugs. And that is not inexpensive, nor is it going to be easy to find practitioners to do this work. I mean, if we're doing medically supervised detoxification, finding people that have the medical skills and the requisite experience to work in that environment is going to be competitive and expensive. Um, And so we knew it would have a fiscal, it'll have to work through ways and means now to have the budget adjustments made to be able to pay for the bill. But in polling that I have seen as the bill has progressed through the short session, more than 70% of Oregonians are with the idea that there has to be some accountability to accompany um, the the proliferation of drugs in this state. You can't just wish people off of fentanyl. You've got to hold them accountable to, to own their own treatment. And yes, some people are going to relapse the bill, as I understand it, and um, and support it. Anticipates that there are going to be failures in in um, recovery, and the bill makes accommodation to let people who slip in recovery to try again and to move forward with trying to reclaim their lives. I think it's a fair, balanced bill. It is a bicameral, meaning both the House and the Senate members. uh, It has support in both the House and the Senate. It has. Um, marginalized the extremes and I think drawn from that good common sense middle that took the best ideas from both sides that was informed by practitioners that are in the treatment space and informed by law enforcement, the sheriffs and the chiefs of police, the district attorneys, much, much, much outreach was done. And I think that it is a balanced bill that returns to common sense and actually implements the will of the voters to try to get more treatment for more people faster.
0: And I guess we still don't know the final form of this bill. I mean, it's possible things could be amended to it that might change your opinion, possibly. Or is it too late for amendments for this thing?
1: There's a possibility that amendments could be offered. What happens now to a bill... Uh, And sometimes this happens contemporaneously, sometimes over a a couple of days, as is the case with this bill. The bill number is HB 4002. Uh, So there was a public hearing last night. And then the next progression of any bill, uh, and happens to be this bill tonight, is that it goes into work session. And generally, if the committee has done the public hearing first, and uh, the bill could have had amendments offered based on the public testimony but tonight what happens is the bill goes into work session and the the uh, committee will vote and the committee will and i'm very hopeful vote the bill out the way that it sits right now it was last night house bill hb 4002 with the dash 24 amendments and anytime you see a bill with that many dashes dash 24 dash 20 whatever That's how many amendments have gone into the bill. And so uh, it remains to be seen. I haven't followed it uh, totally this afternoon, whether or not there are other amendments being offered. But in all likelihood, the committee will come in, they will gavel in, they will take um, some input from the professional staff, and then they um, they will vote. And in some cases, individual members will want to make, um, in some cases, lengthy statements about why they're voting one way or another. Um, There could still be some opportunities for heads to explode. Um, This is a very emotional bill. I think that the legislature is doing exactly the right thing. They are listening to the citizens of Oregon. They are driving through their own communities and seeing the ravages of drug abuse. They are counting up the bodies. Front page of the of the statewide paper here a week ago was the uh, announcement that fentanyl is claiming more lives um, more quickly. Uh, so I, I believe that this is the right thing for the uh, Oregon legislature to do and that history will look back very kindly on them as they recognized that the people made a mistake by supporting Ballot Measure 110. Ballot Measure 110 was funded almost entirely by out-of-state interests, and very little organized resistance occurred against it, and people just weren't paying attention to what are the downstream ramifications of this bill. Consequently, it passed, and it, it passed handily. But as it was then very quickly implemented, which is unusual, it had a very rapid implementation period, um, it was clear it wasn't working. And so the legislature has gone back in or is in the process of doing that, I hope, saying the bill didn't work and we now are going to recriminalize certain aspects of the bill to act as the stick to get people into treatment. Right now, there's no incentive to go into treatment. You get a citation, you wad it up while the policeman's standing right next to you, throw it on the ground, and you go out and you buy the next ultra-cheap fentanyl tablet. 10 tin cans in Oregon buys you a hit of fentanyl. Uh, For people out of Oregon, we redeem cans, like beer cans and pop cans, 10 cents a piece. And right now I'm told the going rate for a tablet of fentanyl on the street is about a buck 25. So, you know, 10, 12 uh, empty beer cans and you get a hit. And so um, I believe that the legislature is doing exactly the right thing. Does it go as far as some people want it to go? No. Does it go farther than some people want it to go? Yes. As it, you know, it's like a little bit too hot, a little bit too cold, and the porridge is just right. And I hope for the sake of my beloved Oregon that the legislature passes it out of committee tonight, puts it on the floor, passes it on the floor, sends it over to the Senate, and it becomes law when the governor signs it.
0: Thanks for listening to What's Up with Betsy Johnson. If you have comments or questions about this podcast, please email questions, Q U E S T I O N S, at BetsyJohnson.com.